You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Jason Nitz of Warforged and Spent Case. There's this episode and over 440 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to Fly in the Call. That's the first time I'm saying it in a long time, and it feels so good. It started to kind of disappear for a while, you know. It's just a little bit of a funk, but I'm very glad to be back and, you know, doing my best to stay consistent with the podcast going forward. Today's guest is Posture and the Grizzly, who are on tour right now. If you're listening to this the day it drops, they're playing tonight, June 2nd, in Richmond, Virginia, tomorrow in Roanoke, Virginia, on the 4th in Washington, D.C., and the 5th wrapping it up in Philly. Today we're talking all about their self-titled album, which is, in my opinion, their best work to date. Uh, To my ears, it's a perfect mix between their first Bush Hymns, which is a really, you know, kind of raw punk energy, and their second album, I Am Satan, which brought a lot of comparisons to... Uh, Blink-182's Untitled Album. Um, We're talking about how the band, you know, by many of their fans' standards, are a highly underrated band. You know, kind of flying under the radar, but with a really passionate fan base. We're also talking about, you know, really taking the time they need to make things happen organically, both in regards to the fan base and in regards to the music themselves. You know, kind of a slow and steady process. Uh, They're really kind of buckling down and taking things seriously. You know, they're dedicated to the long haul, and they're writing music that they want to hear. Um, So without further ado, let's just hop right into the interview. Here I am talking with Posture and the Grizzly. Posture and the Grizzly has kind of always been, you know, sort of out of the the press cycle type of thing. Um, I'm curious, kind of like how that, you know, uh, not quite anonymity, but like secrecy uh, kind of like affects the band. <laughs> I mean, it definitely sucks, I would say. I mean, it's not something we, we chose to do, but uh, it's something that just kind of happens without our, you know, we can't do anything about it, I guess. Right. Well, it, I guess it, it makes things a little bit complicated sometimes in terms of like, I mean, especially making a, a plan, you know, since we got together and started, you know, making the, uh, the self-titled, um, at, you know, with, with like the hiatus of the band, just kind of like the natural lull of things with the label falling apart and whatnot. It's like, right. And even back then, like we didn't really have any kind of PR or anything we just kind of did our own thing just released and right so let it grow exactly to what it is now so which is kind of cool to like have you know I think the thing I see by far the most about the band is the most criminally underrated band ever like I think I've probably read it like a thousand times uh which which is a, a cool sentiment you know just PR would be nice um and we've kind of been you know doing our 
paying our dues again, kind of coming back out here, hitting the ground running, just like hitting up old contacts and trying to get back out there for like, you know, hey, we're here and we're doing this for real. Um, so any help would be appreciated. And it's just hard too, because like we never were a huge band anyway. So no. we're not, you know, you don't expect anything. So any kind of like give and take is is cool with me. So. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel like all the all the love I've seen for Foster and the Grizzly seems to be like very organic for better or for worse. <laughs> right. And that's that's awesome. Like you can't complain, you know, any kind of attention is good attention, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean in one of like the the few interviews that I was able to kind of pull up was with the uh Japanese site Punk Save the Earth. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of mentioned like you're dealing with a lot of writer's block after I am Satan. Yeah, um, yeah. But like looking forward to that slow creative process of what ended up being the self-titled. And I feel like that's kind of interesting because usually people find Rise Box to be really like frustrating rather than invigorating. So like, could you talk a little bit about kind of like that process? Yeah. So after I'm saying, you know, there was no, there was no band. It was just me. Um, I didn't necessarily have the means to record a record financially or I didn't have equipment to, to do so. Um, and I didn't have anyone else there with me to like build off songs, you know, usually when you're with your band, you shoot ideas back and forth and kind of, uh, make something organic, but it was just me just demoing for a while until I met Ryan. Um, and that was 2019. So I mean, yeah, it was like three years of just me kind of sitting on demos I had from over time. And a lot of the songs on the record, um, were songs I demoed from, prior years you know between 2016 and, and 2019 so yeah i don't know it just came together nicely i think it i mean this you know despite some more like logistical hiccups and whatnot i, I think right. the, the process for me was a lot of fun once we finally like really hit the ground running i think we hit like a stride of we like finally found this very consistent vision you right. know, and it because like something definitely I noticed you had developed. You know, when you were kind of on your own, you did like the Kyrie stuff, which we ended up reprising a couple of those songs too, on the record. Um, you you were moving towards kind of a, a little more experimental path, and I think like we hit this like very unspoken culmination of that direction you were going towards, but also everything you had done in the past right you know and i think that's kind of like it bolsters the whole kind of like self-titled thing in that way and also the fact that it almost feels like lp1 i mean it obviously does for me mm -hmm. but it's just like in terms of us moving forward i think that's got to be the perception too with audience you know because i mean it's been like five years i mean we have we finally a have time, a tour yeah. that i think is going to happen this time uh this yeah, you know I'll see as long as Everyone stay safe, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, after canceling last two. So, you know, things feel fresh. Things feel exciting. And I don't know, that process was cool for me. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the most time I ever spent on a record. You know, I don't have that many under my belt. But, like, the other two were just so quick. Like, Bush Hills, we were in there three days, done. Satan, five days, done. I mean, this one was literally almost two years. Two years. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, can you talk a little bit more about kind of like the the timeline of that? Because I'm always curious, you know, especially with that gap, like how was the kind of like, how did the writing and the recording process kind of like separate and, you know, culminate, you know, to the final record that it became? I'll let you take that one. Yeah. Um, um, I, 
Because we got together through a mutual friend um, who was in the band right. for a little while. And we were just sitting on demos. Like I said, I did. we did like an acoustic album that we never finished. That's supposed to be a posture thing. That's something we were kind of just like vibing each other out when we first, you know, decided to, you know, we knew of each other probably. I mean, we've been in the same place at the same time. Right. We're so both in Connecticut. So Connecticut's right. very small. Yeah. Um, and like we've hung out with all the same people playing yep. in bands. I used to play in Guest House. Um, I don't know if that is a name that rings any bells, but like. I played with Guest House. Right. So, <laughs> so um, we played together before. You know? Exactly. And then. Going forward from there, just kind of like meeting up and like vibing each other out, doing that acoustic thing, which I actually listened to the other day. There's like some it's pretty cool bad. ideas it's on there. Yeah. Um, you know, and over time, like just getting, we got to know each other better and just, you know, for better or for worse, became, you know, close, very, very close friends. And I think that made the process, because there was a, like a trust built. And especially with you having done this on your own the whole time, like, right. so you don't relinquish any of you know? I imagine, like, I mean, I'm not saying I imagine, it was tough for you, which, like, you know, when you started kind of letting me help nurture your baby, like, that was, that was sick for me, and I think it was really, really interesting to watch how the sound developed when, like, I think we clicked like obviously like you're you know you're the freight train with the ideas and right. you, you never forget a riff when you come up with it on the spot which is beyond but me. that's just something you kind of have to do being a songwriter over time because like you only can write you know a certain way for so long before in your mind it becomes stale or stagnant maybe to other people it's great but in me like i'm so indecisive and i'm just like you know i'll listen to something and i'll be like this just fucking sucks like i just can't i can't deal with that anymore you're you know? indecisive dude I, I am, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> I didn't know. So, yeah, so 2019, the fall, that's when we met. And uh, there's a lot of, like, demoing going on. I mean, we had, like, so much. 20 songs of just just random stuff that we didn't end up using. A lot of uh, pre-production. And we finally got the drums done, and there was another break of a couple months until Ryan hit me up again, like, hey, you want to you wanna finish this? And this was in June of last year, so... We kind of just dove in for a few months and got it done. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, probably should be said, like, through the process, like, that, you know, the last few years for all of us have been definitely, and this is kind of outside of, you know, the pandemic, which has absolutely rocked everybody, but, like, mm -hmm. personally, like, we've gone through some of the toughest shit, like, and, you know, it's kind of just, like, working around that and being there for each other and, you know... It, I feel like every time we, you know, we made a little progress with the record, like something would try to kick us back down. You know, as cliche as it sounds, it was just like, it was a crazy uphill battle getting it done. It was just, and every time we finished like another piece of it, it was just that much more gratifying. And I think like we, you know, we hit a point where it was like, what else could possibly happen? And nothing is going to be able to stop this at this point. So, you know, we're in it for the long haul and trying to take things very seriously now in terms of touring and getting back out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, can you talk a little bit more about kind of like the tour that's finally coming together with a perspective only handhold? <laughs> I'll let you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll chime in when I can't. What is there to say? I mean, well, I mean, there's there's a lot to there's say. There's a lot you to say. Can't... That's what I'm saying. There's a lot. <laughs> I know you know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we've canceled two tours, um, obviously due to the pandemic, and that one was kind of like a, we, we had the first tour as Posture's first tour back, like, 
after I don't know how many years of that. 2017, I think, is the last yeah. time with Prince Daddy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty long one, too, I think, like like yeah. a month or so. Yeah, we, it was like two, two something weeks. Yeah. Well, who knows? Same, who knows? Same show, right? So much time has gone by. <laughs> but I think we put the single out that we did together, yep. Fixing What Pass, yep. at the time. So we were, we were looking forward to, like, finally get out there. And then, you know, little did we know we wouldn't be able to try again for another almost two years. Um, so that was just kind of a blow, like finding the motivation to keep working towards this thing with this ethereal band that no one really knows where they exist. Like when we weren't able to tour, when we already hadn't been touring, and then now making this record that we had been promising for so long. So, and then we finally you know, get the, have the means to book another tour and everything seems good and clear and all our friends are out touring. Prince Daddy's out. Until literally know, like two days Face is out. And then I see the, like the thing that hit for me, like, okay, we're canceling a second tour was like, you know, Safe Face again, like had to cancel dates. Um, and I was talking to them about it. And then I got up for work. I remember the day we canceled that second tour and I drove, I drive by the, uh, like the clinic urgent care every day before work. And there was a line down the street and around the corner. Damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I immediately called our like booking agent, Brandon. And I was like, this tour is not happening. Is it? He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, I'm glad you called me first. You know, I'd have to do that. So. Which sucks because, you know, right. it's out of our control. Right. There's never and anything that we could do exactly. about it. And we're not going to put anyone at risk. We're not going to put ourselves at risk. So, you know, we waited patiently again. And now here we are at the present. And I think we might be in the clear. So it's a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it, there's a weird mysticism around it. Like, it, do, it still doesn't feel real. And I think the guys in perspective are probably on the same page. <laughs> uh, considering they, ex I think they exist in a very similar realm as we do in terms right. of because they've been uh, dormant too, right? For yeah, since Lousy came out for a while, yeah. Yeah, although they do have a new record coming out, which they announced, so I can say that. And uh, I've gotten to hear it, and it's just, it is something. It is incredible. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's yeah. gonna be two what two and a half weeks, something like that. Two weeks. I can't even keep track of time anymore. I think it's like two and I know half. we're going places, and it's going to be a hell of a time, so. Yeah, I'm excited. It's been a long time, so. Yeah, I'm I'm from Connecticut as well, and. Uh, oh, no shit. Where are you I from? Caught the, uh, I'm from Middletown. Um, oh. So I caught the uh, Safe Face Origami Angel Spanish Love Songs and uh, Wonder Years tour the other week, and that was like my first kind of show back, and I was like, it felt so good to be back, and it also felt like relatively comfortable which i was very happy about <laughs> yeah that's awesome it, that's the thing is like it felt it almost felt new again like it you know <coughs> revitalized like wanting to be at shows obviously the the effect is very clear that it had on on everyone kind of you don't know what you got till it's gone mm -hmm. um i mean even for myself like i've been playing bands around the state since i was a kid and you, you know you hit a point where you know i found that I, you know, something I had done for so long, just going to shows on the weekends, regardless of who was playing. And I, I realized like at a certain point, I, I haven't gone to a show that I wasn't performing at in, in, in years, you know, I wasn't supporting the community in the way that I want them to support me. And then, you know, I went to that show, I went to a show Sunday night with, uh, 
with Aunts and Snowpiler and Cinema Stare, uh, my brother's band. Um, and I, I just, it was a Sunday night and I had a killer time just being around peers and like talking about music. I'm like, I have been robbing myself of this. Like even before the pandemic, like just not going to shows, you know. It's something we all love, and it's something that's built into us. So well, it's hard too when you get older, right? I mean, you're working, yeah, exactly. You got family, and, right? You know, I guess you can make excuses for anything, but right. <laughs> defending you, you know, you it's hard. It's hard to find time and it's tough, but it's worth <laughs> it. So it is. It is for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was like you know a pretty big jump in sound between uh, Bush Hymns and IMC, and um, yeah, and I feel like you know, the self-titled album is really like, kind of like this happy medium for me. Um, and I was curious if you could just kind of talk a little bit about kind of like bridging the gap between those two albums. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, it's two different kind of styles, but like I kind of took things I liked from both of those records and try to, like you said, make it a happy medium um, for me and everyone else, you know, t- take the good parts what everyone likes about those records and, and uh, use it to our advantage. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you also have a, you're, you kind of just are a hook machine. Like you can just, if I put a guitar in Jay's hands, like there's going to be like a, he's just going to start singing a hook and like, that's, well, that's just my thing. Like I've always just been about, what do I want to hear? Yeah, you know? you, Cause you, I've always just wrote the music for me, no one else, you know, right. it's never been anything to make money off of or, you know, to get big or anything. It's just kind of like what do I want to listen to when, you know, I'm in my backyard drinking some beers or something? Yeah, I mean, yeah. your your mood, and I can tell you this from someone who, like, writes songs with you, is your mood definitely, like, whatever you start playing and how it sounds, I can tell, like, kind of where your head's at in a moment. Because you can't really explain, like, why you said what you said or what you why you're doing what you're doing. Right. And then, like, I'll find out later, you know, what you know, you were doing earlier in the day or whatever. And I just like, have this. to show you. Exactly. Like, yeah. You, you do it for you so you can understand. Right. It's, it's kind of like, <laughs> for, I mean, definitely for you, just really one of the only ways you can express yourself in a way that makes sense. Um, right. And that's super cool. And so like, in terms of bridging that gap between those records and then making the third record, I think there was, a, we, we didn't think about it as much as it probably seems like. I yeah, we didn't go out of our way and be like, oh, this has to be, you know, better than I'm saying, or this has to be as, like, I went into raw like as Bushins, you know? <laughs> there was no, like, thought process. It's just like, let's just do it. Let's just do what sounds the best for the songs and, and go from there. Something we always, like, kind of harp on is if you're, like, forcing an idea to work, it's not going to work. And, like, all the songs we used are songs that the, like main idea was fleshed out in like 15 minutes if right. even for even the ones that like you didn't already have like demos or whatever for, right the skeletons were there right and like you know when it when you mesh and it just happens naturally like those are the songs you're rocking with but when you're sitting there like and we got a cup there's a couple songs we cut off the record um and there's aspects of them that you know we love and maybe we'll even you know release those songs but it just it wasn't as natural coming right. out right <laughs> yeah and i mean like the talking about like bridging the gap like the the x interludes you know especially kind of recall the earlier posture material you know especially yeah. on xx which you know does so specifically lyrically um and i feel like you know i listened to them all in a row today and they kind of also 
you know, really fit together as a singular piece as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of like how those interludes came together and how they kind of like, you know, relate to the flow of the album? Yeah. So I always personally wanted like little interludes on a record for the you know longest time because I've always been a fan of like Appleseed Cast, especially Low Level Owl. Like they have a lot of like ambient, just like post rocky kind of stuff. I kind of wanted to mimic that just to like bridge the songs and make it more cohesive. I guess that's kind of what my thought process of doing the interludes was, just making it more like a story. <laughs> just kind of like the, how the other two were, you know, it's the the third chapter of of this story, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean... Because there's just a lot of things I wanted to say on, on Satan, but, you know, I was I, just too restricted with time and budget. <laughs> and I think those things ended up coming coming out, but also after years of reflecting on them. Right, you know, because that's what we like to call us, right? It was like the reflection one, you know. I mean, when, yeah, right. I mean, writing it, you were there was obviously a lot of that because so much time had gone by, so much had happened, you know, crazy opportunities, missed opportunities, like, right. you know, how do you handle it all? But you know, in terms of those interludes itself, like kind of the way like I approached it, you know, I don't even think it's really something we explicitly talked about, but like, you know, my thought process when we were, you know, coming up with the like that official like track listing was. You know, the interludes, because we, we didn't make those interludes until after we had a track listing. Mm-hmm. And those interludes kind of, because the album kind of ebbs and flows in terms of like, you know, the feel and the vibe. I mean, the first the first three songs, you know, Creepshow, Unfortunate Friends, and Black Eyed, those are just, it's, they're punk songs. It's just rock. Like, And then you hit the interlude, and that's a mood shift. And then it goes into Kyrie, which is a little, it's definitely like a different realm. It's more of a concept, it's a concept song, obviously, but... Right. You know, it's not as cut and dry as the first three. And then, you know, I, it kind of marks every shift in mood. I think that's the way I was envisioning it and the way, you know, I was pushing for it to, to sound when we were, you know, putting those, squeezing those into where we wanted them to be. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting to me that you did that, like, you know, after you had the uh, track listing done. <laughs> yeah, because... I mean, there's certainly like a lot going on on the record but for like for us like everything felt so cohesive and we wanted that to translate you know yeah but and then we you know we threw five band gig down there and like that's just that's just but i think it breaks it up nicely yeah you know because and i mean the things that are said in that song are very realistic feelings after all these years of well especially if you've been been playing you know music for 15 years, yeah. right? I mean, come on, everyone, no one likes a five-band gig. I mean, how many times do you, how many times do you go on Twitter and, you know, Caleb literally just tweeted today, like, if any bill, bill more than four bands is just, you know, I digress. <laughs> no, I feel that, I feel that for sure. Um, I mean, like, obviously, you know, especially around the release of I Am Satan, the, the Blink-182 comparison was something that was especially prominent, you know, to the point that you're mentioned in the New Yorker because of it. I'm curious at kind of like how you feel about that and kind of how that influenced the uh, self-titled record. Um, I mean, it didn't really influence the self-titled record because like, obviously I grew up on Blink. I'm a big Blink head. Everyone who knows me knows that. So like, I always kind of... Well, even the New Yorker knew that because you were just the resident expert like well, on, on Pawn so... Stars. Like, let me call in my buddy who's the expert <laughs> so on Blink. the New Yorker wrote that because... <laughs> we played a show in Brooklyn and he happened to be there 
And the band, I was touring with Prince Daddy at the time. They were my backing band. And we uh, we did a Blink-182 cover. Because I think it was, uh, that show was like a prom night or something. So we did Please Take Me Home. And, you know, obviously we killed it. <laughs> so, so he wrote about it. I don't know. But I guess that was kind of just like a lucky uh, a thing. But no, it's it's whatever. Everyone has their uh, the people they inspire by and, you know. I've accepted we'll never shake the blink thing, and that's okay. Because that's okay. We don't, you, no, no one ever talks about, like, we got to make this sound like this blink song. Right, know? right. But, um, I mean, those are heroes, obviously. They, uh, they, they treaded the, the original path. So, <laughs> if we happen to be following behind it, that's something I'm okay with. Yeah, 100%. They influenced so many bands, I mean. Oh, yeah, Especially sure. everything 2003 and prior, in my opinion, you know paved the way for so many bands. Yeah, I feel like there are like I can't think specifically of which ones there are on this album, but I feel like there were like a couple bass lines. I was like, oh yeah, this this feels very blank, you know, yeah, in addition to very poppy, you know, the very, vocals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. Was that a like sailboats, that bass line? Well that and that song was Which is crazy. Is old, you know. That song I wrote when I was sixteen years old. Um I'll be thirty this summer. So it's just crazy having that song on the album too, because that's like my favorite song on the record. I can't. Same. Like, that's the, the original <laughs> idea you wrote at sixteen years old, which is I'm glad I got to be a part of that. You know. Yeah. How that? How did that end up? You know, making it on the record at this point. <laughs> I always wanted to put the, that song on one of the records, and it just never came to fruition until until this one. And what but, was it about it that kind of like made it? You know. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you. I don't know why. We had time. <laughs> we had, Yeah, that's probably why. We yeah. had a few years to really dig deep and think about what we wanted to do. And it, it's a good... It's. I thought it was always a good song. I thought it was always catchy, so... I think we, we were able to do it the justice it deserved, you know? Yeah. I hope your vision was executed. Well, and we changed you, it up, too. 16. Like, it's not exactly the same no, song. Oh, yeah, of course, but... Nice. Yeah, I mean, and then another one that kind of like really stood out to me is uh, "Create Me." You know, not just the the Taking Back Sunday reference with the "I don't think we'll ever come back down," but the uh, <laughs> you know, there's no passion, just synergy. There's, there's no passion, just bad energy. Like, um, can you talk a little about how that one came together? Yeah. Um, so the Taking Back Sunday reference was uh, by accident, actually. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was subconscious or what, but yeah, that was. That was an accident, but we paid our dues, man. Take back Sunday sick, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I stole it. All right, that's what you want to hear. I stole it. Um, yeah, I mean, on that on that note, before we move on, because we that's something we didn't we literally didn't even think about. You know, we were we weren't cognizant of it at all. I had forgot. Well, I had no one said it. anything I, I, I until after the record so came out. I got we, a few well, messages. You know? We we got an email from a from Ian Cohen asking to hear the record. Um, so naturally we sent it and he replies like this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's great. Whatever. Um, you know, is that a taking back Sunday reference? And that was the first time we were like, wait a minute. Cause he, you know, he put the song like 180 by seven. So we listened to it and then we, we were like, dude, it's like, we have to go with it now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we have to. So yeah, we love taking back Sunday. That's why we referenced it. I was telling people I wrote the original song. <laughs> Just like that picture with, uh. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I was like, yeah, I was in the show. I had like five people message me. You had a lot of you were in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I was like, yeah. I was a little guy. But anyways, create me. 
yeah, create me. So yeah, it's just it's a song we just jammed as a full band downstairs, and we wanted to reprise "Delete Me" because I really like that song. So we kind of built around that in the way. I mean, the lyrics to the chorus part that you're talking about just kind of came naturally. You know, we were just jamming downstairs. I kind of just yelled what was on my mind. So wasn't you know real thought process behind those other than whatever whatever came out naturally. You know. You know that's the thing is I. Uh... What I do is I just, I try to listen very intently to, you know, picking up what it is he's trying to convey without being able to use his words <laughs> until he's singing them. And then once I, you know, you know, we realize like the concept, then it's like, I feel like it's so much easier to, to flow through it. And then create me just kind of fell out of you. Like when, you know, after, you know, you kind of just, cause a lot of times when we practice or we're writing, like he'll just, you know, you'll just kind of shout and mum, like mumble melodies or kind of saying right. nonsense, yep. you know, it, it, but like there's, there's sentence or like fragments that build up a whole of like, you are there, you are trying to, ha there's an idea there right. of what you're trying to say, you know, and then we flesh out like exactly how to phrase it properly. And even when we do jam down there, sometimes I'll just have my cell phone or whatever and I'll listen back on the car ride home and I'm like, oh, that, that word there, or like that phrase would sound cooler if I said this word instead and I'll just... You know, I'll go on my notes on my phone and and write it. You know. Yeah, and then you know, and then after when you know when it comes time to record, kind of the same thing happens again. Right. Because you hear it back, and then you're like, "Oh wow, I, maybe if I said it actually this way instead, you know, it'll kind of round out this whole point that." Which I don't think is too odd because I feel like a lot of bands kind of do well, of that course, similar I mean, thing, you know. I so. would hope you kind of edit your lyrics after like the, you know. Right. <laughs> Not just saying like garbage, garbage, garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I've been in bands like that before anyways, but um, I don't know. That song is like, it, there's so much going on in it. Like it just it rises and falls. A lot of layers. And, yeah. And honestly, the end of that song is like. Just like I love the like the shreddy things, Same, and just the ridiculous riff, yeah. drum solo at the end. Like, yep. it's just it feels so epic and like it was so. It's very like honest. And then even at like the end, like the summer night line sounded yeah, really cool. Right. Yeah, but I mean that that's the things that one just felt very very genuine, like from the heart, kind of. Yeah, that that's sort of like editing self-editing of lyrics uh i was listening to you know the whole discography today and from you know calling all creeps to bush hymns there was like the slight change in lyric from like you went to the bar and fucked up again to like you got fucked up at the bar again i was like right that like yeah. was one that really stood out to me i was like okay like you know i, I like that it's you know kind of like a, a continual process <laughs> and even like live I'll, I'll change up a couple lyric things here and there that you know i always thought would sound better but it's obviously too late to change so yeah i mean I'll just like, like know, acid bomb the end of acid bomb i've maybe once you have sang the lyrics that are as it's like written yeah like, i don't i don't sing it out it's written no never. i say something completely yeah. different and i like that's the thing is like i, I like <laughs> what you do with it it's just always it's interesting to hear it a, a different way like because to me i don't really like go and like listen to that song on my own that often so like in my mind like those are the words so like when i do hear it it's like okay, what the it kind of like you know, me up a little bit yeah <laughs> what is he saying nice. <laughs> um yeah i mean i have to mention the uh intuit over feature on uh unfortunate friends because i feel like that you know really fits so perfectly in the song um and i'd love to hear kind of like a little bit how that song and that you know feature came together 
that was just a great opportunity. I can't say anything, but just it just was so sick to have Evan on that song because like growing up, he was like a rock star to me, you know. <laughs> so like, I'm sorry if you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> no, listen, no, I'm gonna take my moment please. here. So I mean, <laughs> first of all, I mean Evan is absolutely fantastic. Just like, inc- like awesome dude. Like he really, really did not like skimp. No, and he all. didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to do like this for us at all, and just like having him in- involved, and like you know, kind of to answer your question, like why that was the song to go to him was just he. It's like thematically, like he always kind of wrote about the same thing of just like you know, painstakingly get like kind of rolling through life as you get older. Um, and that's where we're at with that song. And it was just like, like this is, he's got to be on this song. I and, can't even remember like having that conversation with you being like, you know, who should we, we should get on this song is we were saying Evan. you were in that chair and I was in this chair. We were just like this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so, and then of course, like I, I'd like to think he resonated with it. Because he sent it back, and it was just like, I was t- like blown away by how well it fit and sits like in the song, and also just to hear his voice on like in my studio, like on a song yeah, that, like we made, yeah. like, and I, you know, I on our Twitter, I, you know, I don't know if it's something you saw, I, you know, I tweeted at him because the the first show I I ever went to, my older brother took me to see Into It Over Acoustic uh, at Paris in Plantsville, Connecticut. Um, and it was like it was transit acoustic, um, I can't remember a paper tugboat I think, and into it over it, um, and I you know I watched Evan play just him in a guitar, and I you know I was blown away like my mind at that moment was exposed to a whole new world of music, um, and I literally went out home that night. My my friend Ben, my brother, brought him with us too. We went home and I very rudimentally knew how to play the guitar. And we just started trying to write songs after that experience. And, like, here we are now. And, like, to be able to do that with him, like, you know, someone who's such an influence on me and you. And I don't even have words. It just, it's so full circle. Like, and it feels awesome. It was, I'm very happy it happened. Same. For sure. Yeah. And like I said, it feels very, like, it feels so seamless. Like, it feels like the perfect it kind was of, supposed like, to match be there, between the songs. Know? Right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, Plaster's artwork, you know, album artwork has always been something that like really stands out and, you know, kind of makes an impression on me. Um, so I'd love to hear about a little bit how the uh, self-titled artwork came together and, you know, the ideas behind it. <laughs> you want to take this one? <laughs> I feel like I'm just, I feel like it's, dude, Jay Nasty, it's posture, you know, but I mean, well, this one, we, I hit up Jordan Hudkins who did, uh, He's from Roswell Kid. He did the first uh, three releases. Um, so I kind of wanted to go back to something more of that style, but um, I don't think they are doing art anymore from what I gathered. So we hit up Ryan's friend, Zach, um, who's a great, talented artist, and he drew up, like, what, five to ten different kind of uh, yeah, he, ideas? He, you know, he set up, because we were trying to, you know, in typical posture fashion, we were very crunched for time. <laughs> as well um so you know i hit up i hit up zach who's obviously very like quick he can like throw ideas 
Yeah, you know, all like hand drawn, colored. Yeah, so you know we were like, this is kind of the vibe we're going for. Um, you know, he took. You know, he looked at the other artwork um, and stuff. But I was like, a very much wanted to be your own. I want you to like. You know, I did the thing. I was like, listen to the record and like, I want to see what it invokes from you. And like, that's kind of like what we wanted to, wanted to go with. And then and there's a few other runner ups we had too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and then, but when the draft came through for that one, it's just like the similarity it draws from like the Bush Hymns cover. While like, it almost seems like like in I'm saying like the girl with the umbrella, like it almost feels like the the girl in the picture is her. Like, right. Like, and, like, it's just all kind of, like, it's, like, this has to be it kind right. of thing, you know? I immediately liked that one. I mean, that was always yeah my go-to I remember, once I saw it. I remember so. fighting with you a little bit about it. Yeah, because you're going to go with something else, yeah. but, like, I just can't see it. Like, I just can't see it yeah, when you, when being you, online or anything. When you say the, it. you need to trust me, and, no, like, this is, like, this is the thing I'm resonating with. Like, that's just what we got to rock with, because I feel like, you know... I gotta trust your vision when I do it. Always is just like I'm glad I did that. And even yeah. like the little details, like the scratchiness on the on the cover too, like how it's kind of like it looks dated or like a, like an almost yeah. like an old picture. It's such a subtle. I thing like that. Too. Yeah. yeah, it's like the little things, you know. For sure. Yeah, and I feel like there's like there's always like that little bit of like kind of off white on all your album covers, and it's like it it kind of you know makes it feel cohesive in a way too. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, I always like to wrap up the same way, which is just by kind of like asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately, whether it's music or life or whatever that you kind of would just like to share. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just don't give up. Just do whatever you feel is right. Listen to your instincts and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise, you know, just do your thing and, and put all you have into it and just, just let it go. Just Whatever happens, happens. You know, there's no, there's no risk untaken when you just tr- when you just try your best. That's that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, and again, like something we, I mean, very clearly, this band has had its, you know, many different cycles of its life, and the point we're at now, after all these years, is okay. We're we're finally, I think, ready and in a position to be the band that you know you set out to to be. Um, so that, like that being said, you know, kind of the same thing, um, express your vision the best you can. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Um, do you, and like the, like to me, like hearing something genuine shows in, in songs, um, and let that reflect in like the way you, you know, carry yourself at shows or the things you do. And, you know, hopefully opportunity comes for, for everyone who's, who's searching for it, you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, is there anything that we uh, haven't had on about the album or the uh, upcoming tour that you have been really wanting to get out there? I guess if there's really anything, um, the idea for us just going forward is that uh, I'm going to steal like the hot mulligan bit. Like we're the number one hot new band. Um, (laughs) The real one. Yeah. We're the real one. Uh, I think you know, I don't know how many, like, stories there are where it's, like, you know, people found, like, some sort of, like, success, like, living this life, you know, after kind of the, the life cycle this band has taken, but, you know, we're, we're so excited, and we've been writing so much material, and just, like, we're, like, 
just trying to take it as absolutely as far as we can take it. And you know, I'm not going to stop doing it until I'm dead. So right. that's posture will be forever. It's right. never going anywhere. That's the thing is like any period of time where we stop making music, we're just not physically capable of doing it. It's going to happen no matter what. So we may as well just go as far in as we possibly can. So just keep, I guess my thing I want to get off my chest is, you know, be prepared. We're going to be in your face and all over the place. Um, you know, and I hope you like what you hear and see. And there you have it, Posture and the Grizzly. If you have the chance, catch them on tour between now and June 5th, and definitely check out their self-titled album. Like I said in the intro, it's my favorite to date, and I highly recommend their entire discography. Um, and next week, I will be back. I'm dedicated to that. I'm talking to another band that's on tour right now, Cliff Diver. You should definitely uh, make sure to catch that if you can. I'm really stoked to catch them next week in Connecticut. Uh, They just dropped their debut full-length, Exercise Your Demons, on Side One Dummy. So definitely check that out and prepare yourself for this episode because one of my favorites, as always, uh, Love Cliff Diver. Go ahead and listen to their past episode that I had them on because that was one of the really early like ones that you know really hit home for me so yeah posture in the grizzly cliff diver check them both out love them be a fan flying the call is brought to you by sound talent media in partnership with evergreen podcasts a special thank you as always to the alternative for helping promote the show drive for the theme song and michaela jane for the artwork you can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on twitter and instagram at flying the call pod Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyinthecallpod at gmail.com. Feels good to be back, and catch you next week. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.